If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Happy Wednesday, No Bad Dog Army. I have a fantastic podcast that we don't talk enough about, which is introducing dogs to one another and also how to break up a dog fight if something does happen and how to introduce a fearful dog to a new person. It's all in the same conversation with these guys. Lovely conversation. These guys are being proactive instead of reactive. They're making sure that they're doing all the right things. Uh, They have a dog, but they just adopted another nine-month-old German Shepherd mix. Uh, So they're just trying to do all the right things. Also, I want to give a shout out to the sponsors of today's podcast, We Feed Raw. As you guys know, I've been feeding raw now for many years, and it's extended the life of my beloved dogs and also the quality of the life of my dogs. And so uh, I've teamed up with them because they deliver fresh raw food specifically for you, customized for you and your dog directly to your door. There's no better way to do it than that. You go online, you tell them your dog, your activity, the size of your dog, etc. any allergies, and they'll send you over some raw food. Now, raw food, we can talk days about and how much beneficial it is for your dogs. Um, and I would highly recommend uh, checking it out to extend the life of your dog. The link is in the description below. You get 25% off. All my listeners get 25% off by clicking the link and signing up. And hey, listen, you can try it. If you don't like it, if you're not seeing the results, more energy uh, and, and more spunkiness to your dog, then you can cancel your subscription if it doesn't work for you guys. But I'd at least give it a shot. Uh, I think your dog deserves it. Link in the description below. At the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions And if you guys want me to answer your specific questions, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave a review and I'll do it next episode. Oh, really quick, guys. I'm coming to Canada. This is, you're hearing it here first. I haven't announced it anywhere right here on the podcast. It's going to be in May and we're going to be in Calgary and we're going to be in Toronto. So it's the only, it's the only seminars I've ever done in Canada. It's the only ones that are going to happen this year. If you live in Canada and you want me to help you with your dog or you want to come learn, we have working spot and audit spots available. Link in the description below. Get them while you can. So we've got two dogs, Mac and Tango. Um, so Mac we've had for about four years. He is a uh, unknown age, but we'll say between seven and nine, give or take, um, years old. Fixed male. Um, and then Tango is a nine-month German Shepherd Golden Retriever mix. And we've had him for about a week and a half. And uh, Tango's not fixed yet. Uh, we will fix him, but we're letting him grow a little bit before we do that. So the successful together. Um, Mac is a dog that likes other dogs, but has resource guarding issues. Um, we have tried to adopt another dog in the past, and we failed miserably because we just didn't provide enough structure. Um, and so the dogs would start fighting over this and that. And we just, we didn't really feel like we had the ability to address it at the time. Um, so this is our second attempt to adopt a second dog into the house. Um, right now the dogs are, we're doing a lot of like crate and rotate. Um, Mac has enough training that he can stay on his bed and I can work with Tango out in the, out in the house. Um, we let them play in the yard a little bit, but we're not doing a lot of that. Um, so really kind of walking through like, how do we do that successful, um, you know, integration of the two dogs. Obviously our, our goal, our stretch goal, I don't know if this is possible, but is that they can be in the house, in the yard, no fights, um, mostly neutral. Uh, I don't want any plays in the house. Uh, we don't have like a huge space for them to be in. My cat would lose her mind if they started, you know, playing in the house. Um, so we want them like very neutral in the house and then like in the yard, obviously if they want to play, they can, that's fine. Um, and then we also have some like specific training questions for both dogs. Um, you know, like Mac and Tango are just like complete opposite in some ways. Mac loves every single person on earth. Can't wait to meet them. Tango is unsurprisingly starting to show some fear aggression towards people. Um, so we don't have any idea how to deal with that because we've just never seen that before. Um, so that's kind of the, the big picture. And then I'm, I'm happy to dive into details as needed. Okay. And, and, the biggest goal is the integration of the two dogs, uh, you would say? 
I would say that plus, um, you know, Mac, uh, we've worked on him training wise, like pretty sporadically. And it hasn't been until I decided, okay, we're getting the second dog and this is it's going to go better this time that we like really have locked on down on his training. Um, so I'd say he's about a level two right now. If you, if you walk through mm-hmm. your, you know, your one, two, three, mm-hmm. I don't know how to get to him to a level three. It's probably gonna take an e-collar, which we're going to buy your course and kind of walk through that. But cool. we, you know, we're just kind of like, we haven't really started that yet. Okay. So getting Mac to a level three and then Tango is, I think he, we can get him to a level three pretty yeah. easily. He likes working with us. Um, so, but have you, some, some roadblocks with Mac. Yeah, sure. Um, have you guys have any incidences yet with Mac and Tango specifically? We have not, okay. um, but again, it's been so hyper-controlled. Uh, Mac likes playing, um, although we are starting to see signs that maybe, and we might be setting up the play wrong, so I'll, I'll walk you through how we do that. Um, Tango might be too much for Mac, which is mind-blowing to us because Mac is a, a, a like a pit who wants to you know play hard. Um, he's about 60 pounds. Tango's about 75 at this point. Um, so the play will leash him up take them into the yard and you can tell they're kind of like yeah 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 let's go and we like release them and they're instantly like bam you know like at first mac was super into that but the last couple of times we had them play it was kind of clear that mac was like mm, this is this is too much for me i, I don't like this mm-hmm. okay so you do let them play ever so often and you monitor uh-huh. pretty heavy and i guess yep. the, the reason is because you just fear that it's gonna go to the next level and we're just not so confident yet. Um, yeah, so we could go to the next level. You know, we've never, Mac is our first dog. So this is really our first-ish time, like with two dogs. And we just like, we're not confident with our, okay. you know, so, abilities with them. Yeah, you know, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's a safe, I mean, I, I would recommend that. I mean, better safe than sorry. It's easier to yeah. to keep them separate and make good decisions with each other. So um, first thing I would say is just in general, I would, my number one thing to recommend for people who are introducing new dogs to one another is doing something together. So Mm -hmm. going out and uh, going for walks with one another, uh, just getting them out because there's so many variables. That's why it's, it's tough when, as a professional, it's tough to say uh, with anything with dogs, like this is the way to do it because yeah, you may get this like super friendly dog and another super friendly dog and you could throw them in the back seat of a, a hatchback Honda Civic and they're going to play until they, you know, get home and then they're going to play when they get home and you could, it doesn't matter. But every, yep. every dog is different. Every case is different, which is why I, you know, treat, treat it as so. So, um, if buddy on siblings that are, <laughs> it's exactly. What it's like is you get these two variables of like, who are you? No, who are you? Don't let that kind of spiral out of control on any level where you guys are like, it doesn't matter who you guys are. Like, let's go. You're going to work with me. We're going to work together. So you're spending, so you're immediately diffusing any conflict emotionally, physically, strategically, whatever the case may be between the dogs of let's go for a walk together. Like you like a Mm -hmm. walk, you like a walk, you like me, you like me, we're going to go outside and we're going to walk together. So whenever I'm introducing any dogs with one another, that's the first thing I do is just go for a walk and things like that. So just creating that neutrality. Um, Cool. And that's, uh, that's the first thing we did. Like we met on neutral grounds. We went for a walk. Um, when we can, we take them both for walks together, but Phil just has really long work hours. So that doesn't happen kind of during the work week, but mm. yeah. So we at least like started out well. That's good. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's really what matters. Like the start, like that you yeah. know, first impression type thing of how is this going to go? And that's what I do with my own personal dogs as well. Like it's, it's just like the best thing to do. And then, um, well, on getting mm-hmm. to the uncomfortability off leash stuff, all of those things. Um, I mean, we we're probably being too concerned about the play because I've never seen Mac create a fight out of play. So we're, we're being, you know, maybe a little too cautious on that. And he, you know, we have a trainer in Fort Collins that we work with. Um, we'll continue to work with her. She's great. Similar methods to you, but so Mac will play with my trainer's dog and like, they're fine. No problems. Um, we, like 
we don't even know how to just be like, okay, docs, we have been structuring you, you know, you're both on leash. Now we're going to let go of the leashes and just like behave. You know, we don't know how to like make that jump. Mm. So when they are playing right now, are they on leash? Yep. Okay. And they don't really listen to us. Like we can't really call them off of each other. Tango kind of tries because he's a little bit more responsive to that. Um, but you know, we don't have the like, okay, stop playing. Come here now. Yeah. 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 Totally. And, and, and with Tango, have you seen any, are you, cause it sounds like Mac is more like the, have that resource guarding history or yep. potential, yep. but we're pretty good with dogs regardless. I mean, are yeah. you worried more about Tango getting, more, to, I'm worried. Oh, sorry. Finish your question. I don't know. I was just, are you worried about him getting too stimulated and turning into, anything not really but we don't know him well enough um his growing up so we adopted him like mac is a rescue but tango um my mom's friend bred her dogs together and matt or tango like his first six months were kind of just like chilling in his house with his seven brothers playing all the time um and then when we made the decision that we're going to adopt him um zaneda was the breeder and my mom um actually started kind of working with tango took him to some training and they basically just went to Lowe's. So his life has been like house training and then Lowe's. And like, he is not used to anything else um, besides that. But I haven't noticed any okay. yeah, dog okay. aggression yeah. yet. So it's more about just being proactive and making sure you guys are doing the right things. That's yeah. Stuff. Okay. Good, 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 good. Um, so I, I would, so right now, if they're not showing signs of, being uncomfortable with one another or whatever and they're playing pretty well when you do allow them to play i would you know it, the, the, you just gotta rip the band-aid off and just, for me anyway like, is get that that's not applicable you can get an x pen which is which is those panels you know that you can put another dog in it's kind of like putting the fish into the tank before you release them to the the water get them acclimated there's a lot of, but they're bigger dogs, so that may not yeah. be applicable. But I think if they're both, if they both have a history of being, well, you know, Mac has a history of being friendly with other dogs and being okay, excuse me. And then Tango, from what we're told, also is good with other dogs, but you haven't yeah. experienced it firsthand. I would say just allowing them to, you know, get to know each other and figure things out, honestly. Like that's, that would be like the next step. And then the only thing that you'd have to be concerned about is Tango's Tango being intact uh-huh. because th- that at this age, so we talk about that fear aggression starting and that reactivity starting at this age, that's where you start to see uh, a shift in behavior and personality, not a complete change but you'll start to see a puppy go to adult, which is, it's the same dog, but they're starting to become an adult dog. And in that eight month to, depending on the breed size, et cetera, 12 month range is where dogs start to become adult males. And um, that's where we do see, we can see, and we have seen, uh, you know, changes in behavior. So that's the only thing that you'd have to, really watch for over the next couple months is if things get more intense or if things get more serious for tango, mm-hmm. um, because that could play a factor for sure. Um, but, um, that's just one thing to throw out. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I'm already seeing that shift cause my understanding is that like he was totally fine when he was back home and now it's kind of like we've taken him on a couple of outdoor adventures and people have passed by you know, what he yeah. considers too closely yeah. and he's barking. He did a, he actually did a lunge snap, um, the other day and towards being, a person, like, or... towards a person. Yeah. And I, I mean, both times it's totally my fault. We were like, Oh, he's a good boy. We'll put him on his harness. He doesn't need to be on his prong. So I couldn't correct him. You know, I couldn't do anything about it. Um, so now I'm kind of like, okay, both dogs, you know, Max always on a prong cause he does have that little bit of a, who knows what's going to happen with him. Um, and so, yeah, Tango just needs to always be on a prong too, at least for now while we work on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's one thing I was going to say too, is when you get, again, when you get two dogs that are getting used to one another, getting acquainted with one another, figuring each other out, like they're going to, it's just like with people, they're dr- trying to figure out boundaries, limitations, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what we like, what we hate, 
what's appropriate, what's not, like what's their play levels, how long can they go? Like it, it's it's a courting type thing, and and that's that's really what it comes down to. And I think letting them play outside and letting them be um, friendly with one another without a lot of uh, uh, confinement is a is a good idea as long as it's going okay so far. Like I said, yeah. there's some there's some really safe ways to maybe help you guys become more confident with it, with the chain link fences, because that's just a great way uh, to do it. But I think just consistently, like if they've earned the ability to play without that constraint, um, then, then let them have it, you know, let them, let them, if they're, if they're, I mean, there's, if there's, I mean, that's what it is for me. It's like, if there's not anything that's ever proven to me or there's always this cautious, right. It's just like with dogs, with children or, dogs with other dogs right it's the same thing how i would approach it like with my personal dog at home lakota um can be can be very friendly with other dogs if it goes right but she could also be very like standoffish it all just like any other dog right it just depends yeah so you you just never know and and then you just take the precautions to say like that's what i do with her <clears throat> excuse me that's what i do with her is i I allow her to meet a dog through the fence. And then what I do is after my, after she meets the dog through the fence, I'm watching her behavior and I'm watching how she's, she's acting and I'm watching how she's behaving. And then, um, yeah. So I'll just give you an example. Like with Lakota, when I have another dog over, like we're start, I'm going to start doing some foster work just because, um, it's the best happy medium for me. Like I don't really want another full dog right now, full time, but I need another dog in the house. Yeah. So anyway, so like with her, (laughs) what I, I'm sure you guys can relate like with her, what I do is I have her meet other dogs through our fence and I'm just judging. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, is this, she's going to be like either super friendly and she's excited and she's ready to go. And you can just tell immediately like, okay, this is going to be good. And now once that happens, cause she's, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't bring a dog into the equation that I wouldn't think she wouldn't get along with. But when I go inside, there's always these triggers, right? So there's going to be bones and there's going to be food bowls and there's going to be toys. There's going to be things that are still going to be triggers for dogs naturally. And that's where I think a lot of dog owners make the mistake when introducing dogs is they see the dog's behavior and um, interactions with one another out, out of the context of the home or out of the context of having these high value things around. So when you transition, it's just like with obedience with dogs. Like that's why I always talk about levels with dogs because the environmental changes for animals is huge. For us, we walk through a door into inside and there's not a huge change, but with dogs, it is a big change for their environments. So once they've earned that ability, so this is for you can potentially or vice versa. And and this makes relationship and then like in the bitter, yeah. you know I back in but dogs with one another especially dogs who are still a little unsure of one another or if you have a dog that has a history of being unsure mm-hmm. your relationship with these dogs and your control with these dogs is going to be like the nucleus of everything like making sure and being able to control the dogs is yep. Like like you said, kind of in the beginning about max level two obedience, like that's great because that does play a huge factor um, because even if dogs don't like each other, but you like say, hey, knock it off or go to your place or lay down or mm-hmm. I guess my point is, is without getting granule on the actual verbal things that we're saying to our dogs, if you can look at your dog and say something and it matters to them without having to chase your dog around the house because you have good control because you've developed this foundation with the dog, then things will go a lot smoother. So again, like if Lakota was with another dog, like we're like, like I said, we're going to start fostering here in the next couple months, but I, I can, I can like, if she's getting too rough, right. I can immediately like send her to her place or disengage her with just my verbal cues. Right. So that control is, is a really big piece to that because I find it, if you can, you know, and I, I talk about this a lot, but if you can control your dog, the behavioral things or the things that could happen that you may be worried about are less of an issue Yeah. simply because you have the control. So you're like, Hey, I don't care, you know, stepbrothers type thing. I don't care if you guys 
hate each other, but you have to listen to me. And then they're kind of like, okay, fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess that, that scenario when they're getting a little too worked up, I, I would say that's like a level three, at least for Mac and probably for Tango where I don't feel like we have that level of control. If they're already yeah. excited about something. They're like, screw you. This is way better than your, you know, whatever you're going to do. Um, so maybe kind of help walk us through, like, how do we get to that? Yeah, that's a good question. So what the way that you do it is you do individualized, like that's what it comes down to, right? Like you have two dogs and you're like, okay, they're getting along fairly well. Um, things are changing. We've only had tango for a week now or, or two weeks or whatever, a week and a half. So we still don't know much really comparable to, to, to other, you know, your other dogs. So I just think that having the ultimate control, so that's where my Kickstarter course that I talk a lot about uh, really comes in because I go over all the things that dog owners should have. So it goes over thresholds, it goes over boundaries. So we talk about one of of my most used behaviors for my personal dog is the place because it doesn't, so like the send away to the place is huge. So like working on these things individually. So we'll take Mac, we'll take Tango or more specifically, we'll take Tango because you've already got a good foundation in with Mac, but you would start working on. So there's two things here again, like your relationship with your dog. So if you say, Hey, knock it off or Hey, too much or whatever that, like if your dog respects that voice inflection of punishment, like, Hey, no, like over. So here's, here's what I have found over my career with dogs is if you do that voice inflection of, Hey, knock it off, but you haven't, uh, over time used any enforcement that your dog cares about. So Mm -hmm. if you watch my videos or listen to my podcast, these are things that we talk this, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this, but they've never actually punished or corrected a dog. So their voice inflection doesn't have any enforcement behind it. So if you say, Hey, knock it off to the dog that goes right over. They don't care about that. That's never been enforced. You've never done anything about it. They don't care if you're getting loud, they could care less. So have, so there's the relationship part. That's, that's where if you're like, Hey, knock it off. And your dogs are like, there's that fear, right? There's this whole thing. And, uh, in my opinion, it just becomes like propaganda. Like I want my dog to have a little bit of fear in them with me because I want them to, you know, be, Oh, I don't want to get in trouble. Like it's not fearing anything other than getting into trouble. Like they don't want to disappoint us or they don't want to. So anyway, um, working through that is huge. So making sure that your dog respects that. And the way to do that is you just work on your foundation. So your thresholds, mm-hmm. and it's literally as simple as this. You put a, you put a leash on a dog, excuse me, you put a leash on a dog, you walk up to a door, you say, Tango sit, you open the door and then Tango's like, Oh, we're out. And then you correct him back into a sit. That is right. that threshold. That's that, that's that boundary setting. That's that enforcement. That's that. No, no, what? wait, no, no, no. Like that. Like you gotta, you gotta sit. Like I told you to sit. So that's just creating that. You could call it strict. I call it structure. Just being able yeah. to make sure that, and you don't have to do that every time. It's just when you look at your dog and you tell them to do something, you want the control for them to just do it, right? Just yeah. like with kids. Like you don't have to, throughout your day, it's like, hey, can you pick up your room? They're like, what are you gonna give me? Hey, can you do your homework? <laughs> what are you gonna give me? Hey, can you can you grab me the you know notebook over there? What are you gonna give me? Like that's a terrible relationship to have you just want this like really balanced hey can you do this yeah sure I don't know why I'm doing it it's like that my mom used to say like because I said so I'm like okay your mom (laughs) you know that sort of thing so so creating that boundary setting through building a relationship with basic thresholds of here's an opportunity that you have to be patient for and then you're going to get it but you have to just be patient with me first that is That is the definition of working your dog. That's the definition of creating structure with your dog. That's testing your dog. And that's ultimately building a really great relationship with your dog. So at least they have this filter in their head where they're looking up and they're asking for, may I please have this? Yep. Break. Sure. It's yours. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's just- dogs get say, like if it's a little, oh shit, sorry. That where the e-collar first happening. Thanks for filming this um, e-collar video, but to me, it's 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 it, it's all about 
what is going to happen when your dog just doesn't do it? And that I always plan for the worst. That's just the type of person yeah. I am. I was in animal control for a while. I've been working with dogs for a long enough time to just understand that shit happens. And for me, that's what it comes down to for my personal dogs, my clients' dogs, is if if something goes wrong, what's the worst case scenario that can happen? So for me, the remote collar it just gives you that off-leash control that 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 you can use scalably but when you're working with dogs to that next level on that third level right so just like what you're saying is well my dog doesn't listen outside to me or my dog doesn't listen in the back of the car all that stuff is that off-leash control mm-hmm. so when you think about developing your dog and you're like, oh, my dog listens. Okay, what is the context of your dog listening to you? And it's typically going to be on a leash or it's going to be with a reward or with both or one or the other. And that's that's normal and that's good. <clears throat> the next step is what – you got to look at from the dog's point of view. Sometimes it's like <clears throat> once a dog gets 10 feet away from you and can turn and physically look at you without being next to you, like that is a completely different ball game for your training and yeah. you, you have to develop it, um, awfully. You, I mean, you, that, that's really what it comes down to. Yes. It's like that third level, that final step of control and that final step of like Yoda ness, if you will, is the off leash control and you have to practice off leash. And I typically will use a long line first and then I'll start integrating in the, the remote collar. Like I don't, I, I don't expect my clients to live that life. And I I personally, because I've been using the remote collar now for so long, I know what life is without that long line attached to the dog. It's a beautiful, harmonious thing. And I honestly cannot remember a time I've ever needed to correct my dog off leash in, in those environments because I conditioned right. So that's, yeah. that's, so with you guys, like you start the conditioning process of the remote collar, you do it right. You take the course, you get it done. And then your dog just listens to you because if you're, if your dog has a foundation and understanding that they will listen to you and they're really great on leash cause you've trained with them and you don't have to ask them three or four times and you don't need a leash check. You don't need that food motivation to get them into doing anything. They just do it. You can do the same thing with the remote collar you just condi- it's the same thing, right? You've conditioned the dog. Here's pressure with the leash. Here's pressure with the leash. Here's pressure with the leash. Good job. And then once you want to transition off leash, it's the same thing. Here's here's your boundaries with the e collar. Here's what it means. Here's your new manual. It's like giving a computer to somebody who's never seen one. You teach them how to use it, and they're like, "This is much better." So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um. So I have a couple of couple more interaction questions and then you know maybe some individual Mm -hmm. questions but if and when a fight does happen yeah what are we doing what does a real correction look like so in the past when they when mac would fight you know the the other dog which i did off his name was fernando um mac is a latcher you know piggy latch so he latches down we literally have to go over there get him to get off Mm -hmm. um and then you know we'll kennel we would kennel Mac, but that, that was kind of it. And, you know, I don't think Mac ever was like, well, that was not what I should have done right. in that moment. Right. So good question. Um, and again, like there's so many different ways to do this. Uh, but I will tell you the most effective. So, okay. So the most effective way to stop a dog from, fighting and and etc is the back legs like pulling the back legs out has been the most effective it's never failed me ever so anytime that I've ever had to break up a dog fight like when I was in daycare um or just in my travels of being around dogs um that's the best way to stop any type of like fight and latch because it takes away all their power you because they're all frontal, right? So you take away yeah. their back legs and then that's too much pressure. And then they typically will let go <clears throat> of whatever they're latched on with. <clears throat> but I've worked with police dogs. I've worked with pitties. I've worked with all the dogs who don't like letting go of things. So there's also bite sticks that you can get. I don't know how realistic that is for you guys. Um, but 
I so I so for me it's about it's about damage control. So mm-hmm. if I have so again like this is like hey what hey Tom if I'm like John Jones an MMA fighter and I'm like the the goat at it right and I'm the best and I can beat up anybody and you're like Tom what do you do if somebody comes and tries to fight you I'm like I can tell you how to fight somebody in that moment on the streets but when it happens it's like through the roof so <clears throat> um but but for me it's really about damage control so if I have a dog that does latch. Sometimes they want they've let mentally they've already let go but they can't physically. So okay. you'll see this a lot like with my dog again with Lakota like if I'm playing chuck it with her or frisbee with her or I'm playing tug with her her muscle memory and like her jaw is so worn out or it's so tired or it's so like clenched that it t- you can tell like she's like I already let go mentally but my jaw has to then let go. So <clears throat> for me that's what I'm always worried about. And I've done this before where a dog latches on to another dog and I've been able to hold the, hold the dogs. Like basically the other dog is just going to try to get away and to try to Mm -hmm. like, like save themselves, if you will. Yeah. So I've done situations where I have somebody, I'll grab the dog, the aggressor by the the flat collar. And I just Mm -hmm. have pressure. Like I'll twist the flat collar to apply a little bit of pressure and then I'm just doing damage control to make sure the dog doesn't either relatch or rebite. And the other yeah. dog is sometimes the other dog just sits there and they're literally, they could be squealing. They could be play again. Like that. So, so that the other dog is, this is so easy, but you know, getting dragged by the other dog or whatever. And then I just hold that dog and I twist the flat collar. Um, the police and uh, working dog people will typically try to choke a dog off, which sounds morbid and dark but it's not at all like when you get a dog that you have to you literally have to do that and they don't like choking a dog out or choking a dog off something is different from like choking somebody like a human out like it's completely different they are not gonna let go unless that happens and i don't care who you are what you believe in or how long you've been working with dogs like when you get certain dogs that are latched onto something they're not going to, and I know you guys probably have experienced things like that. So you just take the flat collar and you twist it and you just hold, and then you wait for them to regrip and then you just kind of pull them away. But what you, yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, there's been squalls that you're able to get in there really quick and kind of just, you know, tackle the other dog away. Um, you know, I've done that before, um, where I'm just able to get the aggressor really quick away from the other dog before they latch. It's kind of dangerous, but that's always the goal is not to have another dog get latched onto, but there's, you know, so many different ways. But in my opinion, the most effective thing that's never failed me is I come up and I just rip the back legs out of a dog and they typically, it throws them off so bad that they'll let go of whatever they're holding onto. If that's not the case, then what I'll do is I'll go up and do damage control and I'll say, okay, it's kind of like, um, like what they do, they do like, if you get a, I work with so many different types of trainers too. And so like hunting dogs, if you get a really new green excited dog that got a, like chased a bird, has the bird in its mouth, the bird's just like sitting there, the dog can't let go. These are things where you're like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and hold your collar to make sure you don't, you know, bite again or you don't relatch so the bird can just walk away so there's just i don't know there's so many different ways to do it but yeah and we were pretty successful in the past with um either grabbing his scruff or the flat collar and kind of the lift and twist and that would make him let go but yeah. once once they're separated like then how do we kind of communicate like- that's the next step right this is hard for dog owners to like talk about and to understand because there's a lot of dog owners who don't look at dogs the way that I've look at dogs because I've seen what they really are. You know, like I've seen the primalness of like, I'm like, Oh, you think that that's cute? Well, you know, they're just savages. Right. And I love dogs. Right. Of course. But (laughs) I'm just saying like people who haven't experienced dogs at their true form don't understand like what they're capable of and what they really are as animals. But 
So my point is, is some people, when these dogs get into these little squalls or these little arguments, these little fights, people are like so traumatized and they are like, oh, this is it. This is over. They hate each other. And it's not like people getting into fights. Like if -hmm. if your roommate or your buddy punches you in the nose, your relationship is going to change with that person likely forever. You're going to take it personal. That's just how it goes. Right. But with dogs, it's not it's not always like that. Sometimes it can be, but a lot of times it's not. They're getting into these little fights for certain reasons. So I guess my answer would be predicated off of like whatever they're getting in. Like if it's over a bone, that's not a personal yeah. thing. If it's over a bed, it's not a personal thing. You know, if a dog was walking by another dog and they randomly like jumped him, that's different. But yeah. so during, so after the fact and we pull them away, you just, you just try to calm down as much as you can. And you put, you know, put the other dog in the crate and you just separate them and you take a deep breath and you kind of cool off. And then, you know, what I do is I try to assess the situation. Okay. What triggered that? What made that happen? Why did that happen? Um, and if it's something that you can justify of like, Oh shit, I didn't even know that there was a toy under the couch or there was a tennis ball outside. Like you try to immediately assess the scene to see that's what I do anyway. I'm like, okay, what, what the hell? What do you, what you guys were fine. Like, you know, what happened? Um, and then also just replaying like, oh man, I forgot. Like they've been playing now for 30 minutes. Maybe Mac was tired and mad and aggressive and frustrated. Like, so, so those are things like I'm always addressing this. I'm not like doing the blame game of like, why'd you do that? That's your brother. Like, no, they're not brothers. (laughs) Like they, they're dogs and that's just how they, that's life, right? We need to get used to that. That's just how it is as much as we love them. And as much as we think they love each other, there's, they're going to be dogs, right? So I think that's one thing that I would recommend is trying to assess the situation, like some sort of investigator to figure out the trigger because it makes so much, there's a dead chip. No, maybe you didn't just say, okay, all, and, um, you know, dogs will be dogs and you just have to be mindful of it's not over. They don't hate each other. Um, it's not the end of the world. You just have to be mindful of like, okay, there must've been more of an emotional trigger there than an external trigger. Right. So not a ball, a toy rope, something to possess. And maybe it was just Mac getting tired and frustrated and just, you know, pinning tango or correcting tango or vice versa. Um, and those are things that you just have to be mindful of. Um, those are typically like one of the main reasons if a dog doesn't hate the other dog and doesn't want to kill them and it wasn't over anything external, it's going to be an annoyance correction. If it's like, yeah, my dog has done that several times to other, uh, energetic, like she polices, she's the sheriff sometimes she's like, Hey, quit the shit. And she'll pin a dog and whatever. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's what I typically do is try to assess the situation, separate them, and then rebuild. What I, what I do is I, I will – I mean this is me though. I don't know if I would expect you guys to do this. But for me, I, I let them cool off and then I'll put them both back on leashes and go outside for a walk. And I'll just watch them and I'll just be like, is yep. this a forever thing? Is it, was this the straw that broke the relationship or are you guys cool? Mm-hmm. And, and you'll find like these dogs will fight really quick. You'll separate them and 10 minutes later you'll bring them out for a walk and they could – they won't even, they could care less that they're around. They don't care because it's not actually yeah. a personal thing and it's not anything that they like will hold a grudge about. That's what a lot of dog owners will do. They'll sit by the crate and they'll talk to their dog for like 45 minutes about like, that's your brother. <laughs> like, remember when we picked your brother up from PetSmart and adopted? Like that's, that's all, that's all like stuff we would do as humans and it's not what you want to do. You want to immediately assess the situation and try to figure out now if you go outside and now they're growling at each other or they're side eyeing each other or they're showing signs of like some some tension I'm like okay this is information for me this is new this is something okay maybe that was you know a very unprovoked attack and now we have some insecurity and some trust issues and I but that's what I do is I let the dogs tell me what's going that's how I do my job I let the dogs mm-hmm. tell me what's going on if they get into a squall, I'll separate them like, you know, stepbrothers will st- separate them. Maybe an hour later, I bring them out for a walk and I watch them. And I'm like, oh, they don't, that was nothing to them. Like they don't care. Yeah. They could care less. They're back to normal. Um, or if it's not, then I'm like, okay, now we have to rebuild. Okay. Yeah, that's actually really helpful. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, the last dog we tried to adopt, it was probably all those types of situations. Like they were totally fine around each other after the fights. Um, we just like, we don't have confidence in ourselves, honestly, at this point. So this yeah. is really helpful to build that up. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, uh, it's, it's normal. I mean, I think it's once you see these things happen and it, and it happens in front of you, you're like, man, you always think about like, you know, is this going to happen again or whatever? Yeah. And yeah, it's normal. Yeah. No, it was incredibly traumatizing, um, at mm-hmm. first, but now it's like, okay, this is more normal than you think it is. Exactly. That's one of the biggest things I think a lot of my, my clients will take away from, like a professional, like, you know, you call somebody about your, your, your expert about your car or your dishwasher or your sprinkler system. You're like, Oh, and you're like, this is it. It's over. It's going to cost me thousands. <laughs> and then somebody comes like, Oh yeah. Yeah. We see this all the time. Hold on. Let me grab boom. You know? So for me, that's, that, that's what we see a lot is dog loves you or bleed like a system of that than creating a better kindergartner anymore. You're talking to your dog. You're working with your dog. Yeah. Okay, so let's spend the last little bit on um, Tango and his, you know, stranger danger issues. Because, again, we're just, we've never seen that. Sure. We're not used to it. Uh, fortunately, you've got tons of material all over the place that I can kind of refer to as well for, you know, reactive German shepherds. But one question I have is, how do we introduce new people to him that we know, like, oh, we want this person to be a part of Tango's life for whatever reason? Yeah, good question. Um, so I would say if you have an insecure or fearful dog, or if if you have a dog that you're not 100% sure that they're going to be great. And yep. this is weird for dog owners who have that dog, um, it, which makes it harder for people like you and me and other people with you know my clients that don't have that dog because it's, it's like, it's, it's foreign. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I would say... Uh, you got you guys are in Colorado. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and especially being in Colorado, it's like the Colorado life is to have your dog like do whatever the hell they want, and everyone's cool with it, which is cool. Yeah. And that's a cool lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, that that kind of matches the you know that kind of matches the Colorado vibe. But yeah. when you have a dog that doesn't fit that criteria, it makes it awkward and uncomfortable because you're like, it's not you know the shop dog or the van dog or whatever. Like you can't do that. So. Yeah. So for me, um, it, that's the first, that's the first thing I start peeling off is, um, control. Uh, I think again, like having the control I've learned over the years that you can't, you can't control, you want to focus on the things that you can control, which is your dog. You can't focus on every other person out there. Um, if you do, you, you'll lose your mind trying to do that. <laughs> and so, um, I, I typically will, and this is where I think, my expertise comes in really uh, naturally is when I, I can read a room really well. I'm a huge people person. I love behavior just across the board. I'm, I'm just obsessed with like how things tick, why things with people and with animals, but you just have to read the room, right? So you have to be, you have to be, you have to finesse, you have to be comfortable, you have to be confident. And if you're around people with your dog in the back of your mind. Hey, Joe, how are you? Good to see you, man. It's been great. You know, how are about, but in the back of your mind, you're, you are focused on tango. Like you're watching what they're doing. You're watching their eyes. Mm-hmm. You're watching their hands. You're watching tango. You're, you're assessing that situation like a secret service would, you know, with a, the president, right? You're assessing yeah. every situation and it's as calm as ever. But at any moment, it it could turn. So yep. <clears throat> without like getting into being extraordinarily uh, like on edge all the time about like being Secret Service, I'm just saying whenever you're out or whenever you're doing something with your dog, if you're having people over, hey guys, like, yeah, this is Mac. You remember Mac? Mac's great. Our new dog, Tango, is just a little nervous. Uh, Tango's out back. Those are the types of things. Uh, and you, so that you want your dog to, to get used to the best thing to do is, is similar to what you did with Mac is you say, like, you know, if it's mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, friends, family, neighbors, dog walker, whatever, you're like, Hey guys, let's just go for a walk. Or if, if that's not, you know, in the books, then you just tell them to come over and just say, Hey, just ignore Tango completely. Like, mm-hmm. because that's at that night or some dogs can go through this fear period where they're like, I'm going to get you before you get me. Yep. Um, they get suspicious, they get vulnerable, they get insecure. It's just a whole thing that they can go through. Um, it usually lasts for about a month, month and a half. Um, and, and what you do is you just, the dog's like, what's that? What's that? Who's that? Who's that? And you're, you're just like, what are you talking about? 
just stop. Like you're good. Like don't, <laughs> so don't feed into that. That's what I see a lot of yeah. dog owners do. Right. So let's say a uh, friend, uh, Brian comes over, Brian comes over and Tango's freaking out and you're like, Brian, get on the ground. Now the dog's like, Oh shit, Brian, hold out your hand. Oh God, Brian, talk to him. Ah, and then there, and then <laughs> now Brian is on the ground, reaching their hand out, talking to Tango and Tango's <laughs> Like clearly, you know, trying to get away and is very not okay with this situation. That's what everyone, again, like that's what everyone does. Yeah. And it doesn't work like that. You have to, so Brian, come on in, ignore Tango completely. And then you, and then you would have Tango on a leash and just play it cool. Like Tango's here, like you're good. You're still doing your thing. Like, you know, it's, it's all good. Uh, You just have to have that control. Um, Then... What I typically do again is like I go for a walk with the dogs and we'll do handoffs. So what we do at the facility um, to get used to new dogs or new people, I'm sorry, is I say, hey, I want to introduce you to, uh, you know, we have all sorts of different members on my team, tall, uh, male, female, uh, short, blonde hair, dark hair, beards, no, whatever. So I'll just like say, hey, you're a big, scary looking man. You know, I'm like, here, I want you to take the leash. So what we'll do is just leash, leash handoffs. So we'll just, mm-hmm. you know, hey, let's go for a walk. We're going to walk up. The, hey, how are you? Good, good. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then we just take the leash, just hand it off. And we kind of step back a little bit and just say, just ignore him. And that's good. So if, if it's going to be somebody that's going to be in, and it's going to be around for a while. You just say, hey, just ignore him. He'll be fine with you after he realizes yeah. that you're not a threat. But again, everyone does this threatening thing with dogs who are insecure. And, um, it doesn't just let him, he's like, Hey, who are you? You're a threat. And then once that person just literally doesn't look at him at all and is calm and then you can, you know, you can of course be, it's like good parenting, right? You get a kid that's like, I don't really like Brian. It's like, well, you don't know Brian's soda can at him and you correct your kid. You're like, Hey, what are you doing? You know, you're hollering at your kid and you know, maybe take away their iPad for the night or something like same thing with dogs. You get, you get Tango out and he's on the leash and then maybe he barks. You'll just say, hey, leave it. Like Brian didn't even, yep. he didn't look at you. He didn't talk to you. He, there's no reason for you to do that. That's inappropriate. Yeah. So you just teach your dog really quickly. I, hey, I got like, first of all, that's, that's a no-go. We don't, we don't bark at, we don't do that. That's inappropriate. Yeah. It's not a warranted thing, right? It'd be different. Brian came in, hey, where Tango is my baby. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, dude, you're, you, do you want to get barked at? Like, what are you trying to get bit <laughs> right now? You know, but like, so you have to make sure that you're very, like that quick decision making on your end is like, no, that's inappropriate. What are you doing? And then in just, in just teaching him, you know, what's acceptable and what's not. I mean, it's your house, it's your dog, it's your friends, it's your family. Um, It's totally up to you to kind of draw the line. And the way to do that is just uh, a verbal correction, like leave it or no. And then you would enforce it with, um, with a, with a correction, with the collar. Okay. It sounds like, you know, obviously we have no idea. We'll find out over time. It sounds like this isn't necessarily a forever thing because I'm always furious. Hope. People, I'm afraid of uncle. Once you get them around these people that they're a little bit afraid of and these people are ignoring this individual or this dog, things can get. So, and I know dogs, I just always use people as an example because a lot of the times it's transferable, but um, some dogs are genetically more insecure and have more anxiety than others. They were born with that and there's nothing you could do about that. But, um, the more you make it easy for your dog to, um, get over these things, the easier life's going to be for you guys. So my recommendation is to just trial it over time. Um, and, and the only way to really tell is in, in, you know, at the end of the day, like if you have a more fearful, dog that's that's okay you just have to make mm-hmm. sure that it doesn't like overcome your life yeah so yeah, it should get better over time as long as you do all the right things like it's it's just the reason why I'm. it's just it's a very generalized thing but if you have a dog that's been neglected abandoned or abused and they're insecure and they're fearful like there's a lot of different ways that we would go about this scenario with confidence building but these people i'm very suspicious and they're like it's not a big deal Somebody come, who's that? That's yeah. Sometimes that takes six. Uh, and you just uh, appropriate and what's not. And then anytime outside of that, like any anything that's going to be outside of the that 
Like that's just been so successful for so many people. But anything that's outside of that is again, like neurological stuff, abuse, neglect, um, abandonment, all that stuff you have to, it's the same thing with people, right? It's not yeah. like you, somebody has PTSD and you're like, Hey man, get over it. You're like, yeah. Oh, okay. That's easy. You know, it's, it doesn't work like that. But generally speaking, when we're talking about Tango, a nine month old dog that's trying to figure life out, these are all normal things that you're going through. And okay. none of these things, you know, from what we've known anyway, like he's been fine and now he's starting to get a little edgy. Um, you just have to help him through these things. And he's like, Oh God, this is a big deal. And you're like, and then he's going to, so as I call it, uh, I talked about this many years ago, but I, t- I called it like the flight attendant scenario right where if you're nervous on a flight or you don't like flying like whenever you hit turbulence you're gonna look at the flight attendant and if they're cool still serving rum and cokes to people like you're gonna be okay this is good you know (laughs) so but if they start panicking and freaking out you're like okay this isn't normal this was like oh god what do we do and tango's like wait you know this person like that's the energy that you want to bring to the table to desensitize it like it's totally okay for dogs to be nervous and suspicious, that's kind of like, mm-hmm. especially you get a German Shepherd mix. It's it's part of the territory, right? But your job yeah. is to be like, hey, man, knock it off. You're good. Brian, how are you, man? Good to see you. Tango's a little bit nervous. Just ignore him. And you just kind of roll with it that way. Okay. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, cool. I think we're basically at time. So, yeah, this has been really great. I really appreciate it. Sweet. Okay. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I would just, like I said, play it safe with, with, with both the dogs and... Um, I, I, the only thing that I really didn't touch on is like the amount of time that they're playing with one another outside, just limit that. I know you guys are, but watch for, they'll let you know. Yeah. Watch for that. Like, okay. Hey man, I'm done. Like get out of here. Like the snapping, the air chomping, the correct, the corrections. Like those are the times where you're like, okay, Tango, you know, back inside buddy, Max, that's like that's yeah. like your point to advocate. It's just like again, Lakota's on her bed. Foster puppy comes up. Lakota shows her teeth. She's gonna correct the dog, but I'm I'm yeah. gonna step in and be like, you don't know better, and you're too small to get a correction or right. whatever. Um, so those are the those are the places where you guys would step in and advocate where Tango may have not, you know, with the other dogs that Tango was with, they may have never gotten to that point, and yeah, so. I don't think so. Yeah. And so at nine months, so when, if Tango was a puppy puppy, you could let that play out and Matt could fairly correct the dog. And that's how, that's how it goes. It's great. Like you, you kind of let Mac do his thing, but at that age, at nine months, the correction from Mac to Tango is going to be too, it's going to be too much of a conflict because they're both grown. It's again, stepbrothers. They're both grownups. You know what I mean? It's not at that point where if Tango was, four months, six months, like that would be a different correction. Like Tango would probably tail tuck and run away. But now if Mac was to correct Tango, that could be too much of a conflict because of their age and because of how long they've Mm -hmm. known each other is very minimal. So just watch for that. Like, Hey, I'm done. I'm annoyed type of behavior. Okay. And then are we building them up too much by kind of like leashing them up and then releasing them in the yard? Or is that okay? It's a good quick question. I would say yes and no. I mean, like, here's what I would do. Yep. Is I would but handle, and then you'd go out separately on the other ends of the spectrum, and then you would let them go. You, because that's okay. a lot of, like, un... That's where we see a lot of bottleneck reactivity, a lot of... Um, yep a lot of redirection reaction, right? So dogs get so stimulated and it's too much. It's not healthy. They're like, you know, it's like, it's like having two people meet for the first time when they're both like tired or something. Like they're in the wrong state of mind to be their normal self. Like you get two dogs and you jack them up and then you're like, okay, have fun. And then they're like, this is too much, you know? And then maybe Tango is too much for Mac and then and there's this whole thing. So I would bring them outside get them to engage with you a little bit to be like, Hey, behave yourselves. Okay. Now have recess. That's what I would do first before you bottleneck them at the door and then just pew, put them out there. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Walk them out, spend five minutes on like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, calm down, yeah. sit, break. Hey, you were good. You're paying attention. Okay. All right, buddy, go have fun. And then that way it's yep. not, it's not, they are, because when you let them off the leash like that, they're going out at like full tilt, you know, RPM. Yeah. If you bring them out and you're like, hey, man, pay attention, pay attention. Good job. Calm, hey, calm down. Sit. Good sit. Stay. Yeah. 
okay, buddy, break, and then you let them go, they're going to be at a normal baseline, uh, like I would say like a, a more uh, even – like they're not, they're themselves at that point, you know, two excited yeah, dogs yeah. that are going out for the first time in the morning or in general, it's not a good way to gauge how they, who they really are. They're too, you know, everyone always says that, oh, he's a really good dog because we're seeing them at their worst, right? They come over, they're scratching you. They scratch your paint, your car, they're barking at you. And the dog owners are always like, he's a really good dog, I swear. But when they're at that state of mind, you're seeing the worst of the dogs. So it's yep. the same thing. Like don't, you know, you're torching them outside and then expecting them to be cool. And that's yeah. too much. So that's a good question. Okay. But yeah. Perfect. Sweet. Okay, guys. Um, yeah, good luck. Just keep doing what you're doing. I think I think you guys are doing a great job uh, playing it safe and being uh, proactive instead of reactive. And nothing's happened yeah. really yet. So um, just watch for boundaries, watch for triggers, um, bring them for walks, keep them on neutral grounds, let them play in increments. Um, in the house, have really good sendaways with both of them. So you can diffuse any type of conflict. Um, if you can see them kind of getting agitated with one another, you can, you know, go to your room, go to your room. Um, and, um, yeah. And, and, and just lots of exercise, you know, uh, that'd be good. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome. Good luck guys. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, the first question comes from RH River 555 Hi, Tom. I don't know if I'm doing this preview thing right. I go to iTunes, but it just brought me back to Apple Podcasts. So I don't know if I'm getting this. But I have a two... You know, well, you did it. We're here. <laughs> but I have a two-year-old German Shepherd. He's a little bit bad on the leash, and he likes to pull. What should I do to help that? Well, you're in luck because we just spent a tutorial YouTube channel. Instead of me explaining for you, I created that video specifically just for you. Next one comes from Tired Eyes, Me, Let Me Go to Bed. <laughs> Fantastic podcast. Hey, Tom, uh, I'll get right to it. I'm a dog trainer and a pretty good one, but this case is very tough, and I'd like to pick your brain. I'm working with a family that rescued a small mix that is terrified to have a leash put on. They can't do it. His history, and I've seen video footage. His history, and I've seen video footage, is he would run on the highway somewhere. People pursued him, and when they got a leash on him, he would alligator roll himself into exhaustion. Now the owners report that if they try to trap the leash, try to trap, leash, or pick him up, he thrashes like a, like fighting for his life, pees all over the place, tries to bite hard. Um, we've had him for four months. So, Don, I would suggest it's sad with a dog that needs some bite gloves. Be decent for bite. Ben, the reason why he's doing just a fighter. So start desensitizing the slip on and off. Put it over his head, take it off. Put it over his head, take it off. Um, super sad story. Um, we had a dog that recently did this, and the owners ended up putting the dog down because they couldn't pick the dog up, and we had no problem picking the dog up because we're, you know, it's what we do. So 100 people um, get some bike gloves for a little bit. To probably depends on it, uh, especially a, at least a quality of life. So uh, that's what I would do. Hope that helps. All right, next one, Mighty Mouse 55, great podcast. Um, greatest podcast ever. This has helped me so much in my rescue. How do you help a dog reactive two-year-old cattle pit mix? He is not aggressive, but he puts his hackles up and barks. He has gone to a behaviorist, and she said that he was afraid. So like I said in my last podcast, guys, and I want to re- reiterate on that, I have absolutely zero and no squalls against any behaviorist by any means, shape, or form. But I, I do want to clarify that behaviorist is to do exactly what you just said. They diagnose things and then they prescribe typically medication to help calm whatever their diagnosis is down, right? So that's not all they do. But for dog owners at scale, that's what you're getting with a behaviorist. So in this situation, we've gone to a behaviorist and she said he was afraid. That's exactly what a behaviorist is supposed to do diagnose what's going on with your dog. And then typically they just will give you medication for the diagnosis. That's their job. So just so you know, so I don't, I, cause people like I went to a behavior here. Here's why I'm saying this is because a lot of people will say I went to a behaviorist and even they said, it's not X. You have to understand that behaviorists are only there to diagnose the problem. They're not trainers. They're not going to help you train your dog. So I just see a lot of people like escape, escaping that issue with, well, if my behaviors can't do it, then we're out of luck. No, no, no. Your behaviors isn't supposed to be able to do it. They don't do it. They're not trained to do it. They're trained to see behavior and tell you what it is. All right. Uh, he does not take chicken, which he loves and he gets fixated on the dog. 
He lives with a Rottweiler and does fine, but when it comes to stranger dogs, he goes crazy. Should I use an e-collar? Will that make it worse? I'm also confused. Um, I would, it, Mighty Mouse 55, my suggestion is, there's a, I, I would almost bet my whole life that you don't have the control on the leash that you need for basic obedience. I would almost bet everything that I own on that. The first thing you need to do is you have to gain control. Dealing with behavior modification, dealing with leash reactivity, dealing with leash aggression is at the highest levels of accomplishments when working with your dog. The lowest level of accomplishment, although although it is hard and difficult, is doing basic obedience. If you don't have basic obedience and you can't walk your dog from A to B successfully, you can't touch the behavior modification, period. So I, I, you guys have heard me say that before and I'll just keep saying it, but so many people are like, my dog's reactive. How do I fix it? My dog's aggressive. How do I fix it? And I'm just being honest with you guys that it's not about that. It's about, let me ask you this. Okay. You want to work on this huge behavioral problem with your dog, which is a huge feat, huge accomplishment to do a huge project. I want you to heal. If you can heal your dog from here to there, which is 10 feet away without your dog pulling, we can work on it. I don't think anybody be able to do it. Get back down to your basics, work on your control and figure out. And we're putting, yeah, that's what I would do. I also have a podcast called Leash Reactivity Blueprint. Um, And because this is a general question of, I have a dog that's reactive. I would check that out. I think that's gonna be really helpful for you. But at the end of the day, Mighty Mouse, um, just being real with you, you have to get control over your dog first. You can't tackle a behavioral problem on the leash without your basics. That goes for anybody. Anybody right now that is dealing with, my dog doesn't do this, let me ask you this. If you can't heal your dog from here to there, you can't work on that. So don't don't even like get frustrated about it. All right, Acorn517, best dog, dog training podcast. This is by far the best dog training podcast out there. Detailed answers that are clear and fit into the real world. I was wondering if you could talk about my struggles of having to rehome a dog. My husband and I recently had to rehome our 10-month-old Dutch Shepherd back to his breeder because he was aggressive and leash reactivity, and we had been trying to work through it without much or any success. He ended up biting a family member. Thank goodness they are fine, but the incident really opened our eyes. Even though it's completely broke our hearts, we knew we just weren't the right dog for us and I didn't have the skills and resources to properly train him. He will end up having the best life he deserves. Sometimes rehoming is just being a uh, responsible dog owner. I would absolutely agree with you on that. Um, I commend you and applaud you for making that decision. I know it is difficult. I know it stings and it hurts. And you'll miss that dog forever. But understanding what you did is so much more responsible and selfless to the dog because you care about the dog, which is amazing. And so what you did was great. Uh, What you did is, is, is the best thing for the dog moving forward. If you know that your dog is not the right fit for you because of the the breed of the dog. Listen, Dutch Shepherds, Malinois, Border Collies, Australian Shepherds, these dogs are not good pets. Unless you know what you're you're doing, you've been doing it for a while. It doesn't matter. Like people always say like, well, I'm retired. I have a bunch of time. But if you don't have experience, it doesn't matter how much time you have. You still don't know how to do it, right? So um, what you did was the best thing for the dog. And, um, now this dog is going to be able to be placed maybe with somebody else that can take over from here that has more experience and resources. So, um, yeah, it's great. I mean, what you did was great instead of, you know, I I've seen, so there's dog owners that will just put the dog down once they hit this, this road, they have, they don't see what you saw, right? Have an ego. We're gonna put the dog down. You don't want to do that. So you did amazing. I'm really happy and I'm proud of you for making that decision um, because you know that this was getting out of control and before it got worse and before the dog made any bad decisions, you put the dog in a better situation. So good on you. Very happy for you. And, um, you know, in the future, just get a dog that's more geared, uh, you know, towards you guys and your lifestyle and, and the things that you, you need to do. You know, if, if I were to say, 
what's a good high energy dog generally speaking like that you can go out and not worry about being too much would be like a lab which is why they're so popular um what else are good i would say labs um yeah i'd say labs <laughs> uh goldens are good and they could be kind of lazy though but labs have this really nice blend of like balance of like hey let's go out and work but also uh, i can be chill they're very trainable um yeah but you know i i see the problem happening oftentimes with dogs coming from shelters and other places where they're like eight to nine months old. They've never been told no. They've never had schooling. They've never had structure. They've never had training. They're out of control and you have to like work through those things. So anyway, we have a lot of fun stuff uh, on our books this year. Um, we have the level up program, which is a canine professional program to grow your business as a dog training professional, which link is in description as well. I'm also going to be doing some dog fostering, which I've never done in my life. Um, I'm really excited about, um, cause I want to create more content for you guys, but I also want another dog in the house, but I also know that I'm too busy to have another full-time dog in the house. So we're gonna do some fostering when we're not traveling. Again, we're coming to Canada soon. Link in the description. All the, all the stuff is in the description below. Uh, love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm going to probably put one more out this week to catch up from last week. So I appreciate you guys listening. Um, number one dog training podcast in the world. Appreciate you guys. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.